0: Welcome back to BrailleCast Extra. My name is Matthew Horsepool and coming up this time, care and usage of your Perkins Brailler. This session was recorded on Tuesday, the 15th of March, 2022 and introduced by Dave
1: Williams. Hello, good evening and a very warm welcome back to the Braillists Foundation. This evening, we will be exploring all things Perkins Braille writer, the means by which many a blind person over the last 70 years or so has learned to write the Braille code. These machines uh, are used everywhere from primary schools right the way through uh, to older people. Uh, we certainly have one or two kicking around here in my home and uh, the Brailler, even with the wave of, of technology, Braille displays and and many other uh, devices besides, has stood the test of time. The classic Perkins brailer is a very robust, well-designed piece of equipment uh, that with um, a bit of um, TLC will uh, serve you well for many a year. Um, joining us this evening to guide us in how we go about using the Perkins Brailler, how do we set it up, how do we load the paper, um and how do we look after it? how do we take care of it um you know when things uh go wrong is uh our friend um of the Braille's foundation uh, and a gentleman who himself uh runs a business where he is certified now um to uh, perform maintenance and repairs on the perkins brailler good evening to you alan thorpe
2: good evening dave and uh, good evening to everybody so i've, I've made a few notes of areas to cover starting from finding your way around a Perkins so I have one here on the desk in front of me let's linger the bell and stuff so if you are familiar with with the Perkins um, or if not think of it as like the the good old-fashioned typewriter so you've got a set of keys at the front and a means of putting paper in from the top back so when we have a Perkins sat in front of us um, careful they are approximately six kilos in weight so we have a range of nine keys in front of us And, and I'll come back and talk about what the keys are things shortly above the keys we have our carriage stroke thumb slide which actually moves across the page on the very top of the machine we have the handle for picking it up and carrying it on the two ends or two sides we have the knobs for rolling the paper in moving towards the back and and the very top back we have two little arms stroke things what we call ears or levers to actually operate the paper clamp just filling over the top with those we might have a roller which is grooved a metal one what's grooved basically at braille cell intervals or it may be a longer bar with rubber o-rings on and just beneath that there's a big black rubber roller and a gap uh, where the the embossing head moves from side to side and going over the back you might feel um, a long slot which actually accommodates the adjustment for the actual uh, margins couple of little other things on the back um, at the back left hand corner we have um, sort of a, a round, knolled screw, tighten up something. That's that's also part of, and that, that's a paper stop. Um, it sits on a wooden board or a fibre board underneath, and can come in a range of colours. Uh, and very slight modifications on the casing dependent on how old your machine is. So to go to the keys and actual functions of things, we'll come back to the front of the machine. So say we have um, a, a series of nine keystroke buttons. In the very middle, we have one which is sort of like a T shape, Uh, maybe an upside down T, that is a space bar. To the left of the space is dot one, to the left of that is dot two, and to the left of that is dot three, which you would use your index finger, your middle finger and your ring finger on your left hand. And a little bit higher and further to the left, we have the new line key. So pressing the new line key on that side, go back to the space bar and to the right of the space bar, we have dot four. To the right of that one, we have dot five. And again, to the right of dot five is dot six using your index finger, your middle finger, and ring finger on your right hand. And like the new line, slightly more to the right and up, we have the backspace. The thumb slide stroke carriage is the strange shaped thing, but sort of bouncy at the right hand end. So that moves along as we're pressing the space. And when we get to the bell we can just push the the embossing head the 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 line whatever we'd like to call it back to the beginning but if you're actually wanting to move halfway along the page instead of space 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 a number of times you can actually press the right hand end of that thumb slide on its little spring press it down and it will potentially slide to the right on its own. Um, and I say potentially, because if your machine's in need of a service, it might be a bit sluggish, uh, and need encouragement to, to move over to the right. Then we have the, the paper release levers. What sticking up through the top plate. Um, they should be all the way back at any point uh, for actual use, unless we're inserting paper. They lift a little device called the paper check. And it's a paper check what tells us that we've actually got to the top of the page when we're actually rolling the paper into the machine. So, for example, if we wanted to put paper in the machine, the little levers have got to be all the way back. And if you try to turn the paper roller knobs on either end, you shouldn't be able to move them. They should be locked in a position. That means the paper clamp is in the correct place on the drum to actually accept all the paper. But we'll come back to that. A little bit more so over the back of the machine if you actually turn it round so you've got the bike facing you uh, on the vertical bike we have this long slot what I talked about where it's two pieces it's sort of a flat plate on the top and a little round bobble underneath we squeeze those together and we're allowed to move the margins backwards and forwards and we can do that to the left-hand side and the right-hand side so if you were writing say in a birthday card we could actually if it fitted in the card as a normal book type opening uh, card and you wanted to write in but you wanted all your lines to start in the same place we can actually move the embossing head to beyond the center fold move the left margin to where we want to be so every time we then move our embossing head back towards the beginning of the line they'll all start in the same place the right hand margin has in the groove at the top where where, where the two rollers are is a little lug um the little lug, you actually squeeze the two pieces together on the back, and that little lug will slide along until it moves to the edge of your piece of paper. Now, if you're using standard Perkins size paper, it's irrelevant where it is. But if you're using A4 paper or index cards or something, you might want to move it so that little lug Is level with the right hand side of your piece of paper because when you're writing and going along, you should hear the bell five stroke six spaces before the actual end of the page, before you've run out of room and started writing in fresh air. Um, Anything else? The little, the little gnarled knob, which is on the back left, that only moves probably a centimetre maximum. Generally, for Perkins size paper, it wants to be as far to the left hand side of the machine as possible, which will give us more room to get our, our larger size pieces of paper in there. If we're using A4 paper, we get a bit more leeway on the use of that. And that is there. Because thinking about rolling paper, in, and especially if it's punched, punched holes aren't always a set distance from the left hand side of the margin. If you're rolling paper into the machine, and you suddenly find it's only gone in part way, and then it stops and won't roll in anymore. That's because the paper out detector has actually detected the hole in the paper. And if you're using the same size paper constantly, you don't want to be messing about trying to um, lift the little levers to get it past it uh, and be able to rotate it in. So the little null screw has this bit of movement. So you can actually adjust how far the paper is pushed over to the left. So it could potentially miss those punched holes. So hopefully that's covered finding your way around and the actual key layout. So we want to put paper into our Perkins. Remember what we said, if those little ears are all the way back, let me just grab this piece of paper, you should not be able to move your rollers. I don't know how much you can hear but I'm just rocking it backwards and forwards, and it's only rocking fractionally. So it means we're in the right position to put paper in. So first thing is lift the, the paper release levers, paper clamp levers, ears, whatever we want to call them, pull them forward, get our piece of paper and slide it in Sort of parallel with the desk, coming in from the back of the machine in between the two rollers. So one being a grooved metal roller with possible rubber rings on it, and the other one being a big rubber roller. Once we've got it in position, and it wants to be to the left of the actual space where the paper goes in, um, because if it's to the right slightly, the paper detector will not see the paper. So again, you'll not be able to move the actual, I'll well, roll the paper in. Once we've got it in the right position, we can roll the paper in. And I'm doing that. And unfortunately, this is a machine I've been servicing earlier. So it's not clunking and grinding. Before you roll... Um, roll the paper in until it actually gets to the point of where the paper will not roll anymore. If the paper rolls all the way in the machine, um, your paper detector um, needs some attention Uh, and then you've got to try and fish it all out. Once we've got the paper rolled in, We press the down or the new line key, which is the front, far left key twice, preferably. One sort of lines the whole thing up, um, but it still can only be very close to the top of your margin, your top margin. So twice does help. And we're ready to write. Um, What I need to do is just set my right hand margin. So squeezing the little bits together, moving the little tag along until it's to the edge of the paper and then releasing it and just giving it a little encouragement to slide backwards and forwards so it locks in position. So now I can actually write along my page. And somewhere now we have the bell. So I now should have one, two, three, four, five, six characters or six spaces to write characters to decide whether I want to um, cram the word in on the line and hyphenate it or decide, no, I want it all nice and and starting with a full word on the next line. So we've done all our writing on that line, new, new line and back to the beginning of the line. These things get all sorts, these parts get all sorts of um, names. Uh, and certainly when people ring me up and, and wanted to talk about their, their machining and not working, they'll, they'll say um, the paper up button, it's fine, I understand it is in effect a new line but it can be paper up and and they say the slidey thing which is the carriage return and and the and the embossing head all all sorts of weird and and wonderful things and there are terms used uh, and predominantly part numbers are used rather than uh, the actual words for them in, in the work that I do. So let me take that piece of paper back out because that's got all my notes on for what I'm supposed to be talking about. Um, so care, caring for the Perkins. People ask me, all sorts of questions about how should I store it keep it covered if you can you don't have to have a special Perkins dust cover using a tea towel a pillowcase or something just to try and stop dust and and dirt falling into them um, one common thing is um guide dog fluff um that that blows around and and lands on the machines some people say about how do i store it should i have paper in it should i not have paper in it where should the carriage be if the machine is going to be put put away into long-term storage they do say about or advise putting a a strip of paper into the paper clamp so um something sort of the width of a piece of paper but maybe only two or three inches long just just a bit of something to stop the the clamp sticking together um I can't see that it does any other type of function apart from the if the glues were to melt if it got in a hot place and it sticks the the two um Fibre um, surfaces what grip the grip the paper, and put the carriage to the left hand side to release some of the tension on the mainspring, which is like a big clock spring. if it's in regular use and it's just going away for a short while i I would potentially say well have it ready to use because you never knew where you're wanting to actually grab a machine, make a quick note or having a piece of paper in there and and having it all ready and set to actually write. It won't make that great deal of difference into its operation whatsoever. And that piece of paper, what's in there also covers the hole and the top, which will stop varying things falling inside and we found all sorts inside from bits of broken drink glasses wine glasses so when somebody's sort of having a drink of wine while writing and and caught the glass on the metal casing and it shattered and fell inside from things that children have, have pushed inside um found pound coins house keys pens a whole range of, of things in there. So just general thing, keep it out of the sun. doesn't like intense sun, especially on the rubber roller and the little O-rings. So a nice cool place, uh, as free from dust as we can. Um, try and keep it out of the rain. Uh, and, and just with a, a light cloth over it. Should keep it quite nice. Other things are what if keys are stuck in the down position or the embossing head doesn't move? If my new line doesn't work, if my backspace doesn't work. Occasionally, um, when i serviced a machine, it's gone back, it's been bounced around in the back of the, uh, the postman's van. And keys of the embossing head can actually jump and slide around. And it might have just jammed in a position so it won't move. So firm but gentle pushing of the embossing head towards the start of the line can actually quite often free it. If the new line or bike space aren't working, that's probably more of a service issue. We might find that keys might be down, but loose and wobbly. And that would be a broken spring what actually fastens the the back of the key, or the dot referring to as a key, um, to the actual main chassis of the machine so if it's floppy and wobbling around the chances are it's a broken spring needs replacing um what else i don't think there's too much on that it's just if it is jammed and because it's fallen off the sofa pushed off a coffee table um it might just jam the keys and gentle persuasion could free it off. If it's fallen off a table or downstairs, it could be a bit more crucial. My my assistant here has told me I haven't said about paper coming out the front of the machine. So that means rewinding to when we're actually loading the machine with paper. If we've got our paper clamp, paper drum in the correct position and the rulers don't turn we lift the levers up to release the paper clamp push the paper in put the levers back down and start rolling the paper if the paper's coming out the front there's two two main things one of them is the um paper will roll in but not actually roll around the drum so the paper actually comes straight out the front if this is the case again it's a service issue because there's a number of springs uh, and gears will actually cause that to happen but before sending it off for a service i would actually check that you had got The rollers in the correct position, because if you've got the paper drum halfway rolled round and you put the paper in, yes, it will roll the paper in, but it won't have clamped it. So again, it will just push it out the front and you'll end up with a whole mismatch of a screwed up, crumpled up paper, uh, all jammed in, in the back of your machine. There's... An issue of the putting a paper in, and if it decides when you let go of the the rollers, the paper will actually shoot straight back out. These these machines are made um, with not a lot of adjustment on them. So the same problem: if paper shoots back out of the machine once you've rolled it in. You may also have problems rolling paper in because behind the paper roller knobs on one side and usually the right hand side, there's a little spring. But us visually impaired people walking along and we might bang our Perkins into the wall, the door frame or something, that is just pushing the paper roller knob down onto the spring what actually tensions it all. So it makes it very difficult to roll in, but on the adverse, if we release that too much and it's a very fine line for somebody who's a child and we're trying to adjust them for paper to roll in, somebody who's got arthritis and can't grip it too tight for rolling the paper in, not enough tension on that spring will then let the paper spit back out. If you've got that problem happening and there's nothing else wrong with the machine, I would suggest you roll the paper in, keep hold of the roller with your right hand to stop it spitting it back out, but pressing the new line, that will actually engage all the gearing, stopping it from spitting it out and, and playing fun and games of rolling it in and, and seeing how much paper comes back out the back. So common problems and, and the common problems are the embossing head being very, very slow and sluggish uh, moving across the page. So basically you're typing faster than the machine is moving along. That's a service a clean what, what needs to take place on that. Um, We mentioned the the backspace not working so well. That's that's the most common problem is the backspace. Occasionally the new line. We do get intermittent other faults such as uh, shadow dots. Uh, Shadow dots are something where a dot what shouldn't be there is appearing. Probably more noticeable when you actually do a space you might actually have a a little dot what's there or occasionally it's the other way around that you're pressing um, a combination of dots but one dot is regularly missing from what you're writing that could be because one of the stylus pins is broken or there's an adjustment uh, under the front cover to actually adjust how far the pins Rotate are the cams what push the pins rotate, giving us how deep uh, how good the production of the the braille cell is. um The other well, there's the bell gets hooked up and bent. There's a little arm on the back of the embossing head, what flips up and down, and it sometimes gets jammed in the bell, so you can't actually move the embossing head away from the right-hand margin. And it also gets jammed up when when children decide to post pens and things in there, it can actually jam and and not allow it to actually move again. Servicing. I, I serviced Perkins Braillers. Um You can service your own. There are videos on YouTube and things on doing a basic service. Doesn't tell you some of the little uh, tricks and tips of reassembling the casing. And when we talk about the casing. We take the bottom off first, the top, the back, The front apron, which is the bit what sits under the keys and the key cover. They're the only bits of casing we remove. We want to clean those down. Um, You'll find some old gunky grease and glue gluey type oil. It's all filled with paper dust and dog fluff and cat fluff, probably. We clean those down and we we apply some clean oil. And it's a light oil. It's like sewing machine. It is actually clock and watch oil, Um, but but sewing machine oil is good enough. Please do not use WD40. Lots of people say, I'll give it a square to WD40. WD40 is quite a thick oil with acetone to thin it down. When the acetone evaporates, we get this horrible thick gunge, which then attracts more and more dust and causes the machine to clog up more and more. So, WD40 is okay as a cleaning agent. So, if you have got lots of old grease and gunge, yes, squirt it with WD40. Wipe all off that you can. With a cloth but when when we're applying fresh oil it just wants to be a sewing machine light oil um, servicing um, personally um, a service would cost 30 pounds repairs do cost more depending what parts are needed and things but most of the machines are done with a service I would hope to have uh, a machine what's come for service on its way back to you after sending it within a week. Occasionally it's longer. We might have to be waiting for some parts to come from America, because uh, everything, all, all the Perkins parts come from America and the various shipping delays and stuff. But if it's a service and just general maintenance, I, I, would, I would hope a week and then my sort of final bits before opening up to questions are different types of perkins brailler we have the conventional perkins brailler manual uh, which we've been demonstrating questions in the chat have been about um, i've got an electric perkins um yes these are power assisted Perkins. There's not many around, especially in the UK, there's not many. I do have one. Uh, it does make things it easier to actually uh a, a, a less a less amount of pressure required. Having said that, there are extension keys to release some of the pressure. If if you've got problems with arthritis and, and strain injuries. You don't have to put so much pressure on for people who've only got good use of one hand there is a one-handed perkins brailler so um, when we're writing something for example like the letter g we would press dots one and two and then release but the keys will stop down and then we can press dots four and five pressing the four and five will release the mechanism what's holding one and two so all the keys come back up if you've accidentally um pressed a dot uh, and you don't want um, on the one two three numbered dot side there is a little lever what slides from to really to re- actually release those before the braille is actually produced the classic perkins is what we've been talking about there are there are um, two others which was the next generation and the smart brailler as a service engineer um, they are not nice machines to work on a lot of the casing is plastic and if it's been in the sun the plastic deteriorates so we're going to come to take the screws out of them um, their mountains break and shatter nice and convenient and light um, but when somebody says i've, I've got a, a plastic machine for you to repair and i think oh no because if these little pillars or lugs break on them and we have to remove the casing on the back panel or the top the back panel is nearly a hundred pounds plus shipping plus import duties and things so it it does make a repair quite expensive on on one of the plastic machines i suppose from that point uh, i can tell that there's been a lots of questions in the chat so if we go back to Ben he can um, direct some of those questions so everybody else can uh, take part
3: Massive thanks to Alan there for a incredibly uh, useful masterclass. I know I've learned uh, a lot already, particularly about servicing. Um, but as Alan said, now it's time for questions. And uh, we've already got some questions lined up, actually. I'm gonna come to Derry in a moment or two. Um, but a question from the chat from Emma. Um, how often would you recommend a Perkins Brailler be serviced?
2: Um, very difficult i suppose that's how much it's used what sort of environment it's been used uh, and just the you'll 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 know when it starts to work a bit slow and sluggish you'll think oh my machine needs servicing if you talk to perkins and things they would say oh like your car they want a service once a year um maybe three four five years i've had machines what i've never been serviced since they were bought um and still sort of working but a bit sluggishly and that can be 20 30 years later so you'll know when your machine doesn't feel like it used to
3: sounds good to me so definitely a a case of sort of playing it by ear or playing it by touch really there so i hope that that helped emma i'm going to come to derry first and then after derry we're going to come to anna uh derry you are good to go
4: hi alan how are you keeping a very good informative chat Um, I hope you can hear me okay Uh, my Perkins definitely needs a service Uh, the the, when you after the 12th or so character it starts to slow down plus the paper lock button is or whatever you call that we keep rolling in the paper after it's gone in where do I get a service I'm I'm from Ireland and the second question is how do I pack it up so it doesn't get damaged on the way to you okay Last
2: question first, packing it. <laughs> what I suggest to people, uh, the vulnerable parts on, on the machine are the actual paper roller knobs. So what we say to get people, get some, a strip of bubble wrap, packing paper, wrap it round your hand to make like a donut, and then put that over the rollers to, to protect those. If the box is dropped on its end while it's in transportation do not please please do not put shredded paper in your machine. It's fine I can get them at it out here uh, but most of the time I have to use the same packing to send it back. Um, and yeah we ended up with shredded paper all over the floor in here but. If you if you've got no option, put that shredded paper in another in a plastic bag to create the padding. A box that is approximately two inches wider, five centimeters wider on each side than the machine. Boxes arrive right here where the actual sides of the Perkins are actually pushing the sides of the box out. It's not good. Again, if they get bashed, dropped, fall over in, in the post fan or something the paper rollers get smashed. Um, forgetting, depends where you are in the, in the world for getting Perkins to me. In the UK, um, you can send them to myself via the Articles for the Blind free post. You can, and I'm happy to give my details out. We'll but probably are some on,
3: contact details probably towards the end maybe.
2: Yes, yeah. If you ring the RNIB, uh, the chances are that they will actually point you in my direction. Uh, And again, email the the guys at Braille lists and and they'll point you in my direction. Uh, So basically use done through the articles for the blind free post service.
3: Hope that helped Derry, um, and like I say, we'll give some contact information out towards the end. Oh. We're gonna to come to Anna next, and after Anna, we're gonna to come to Jeanette. Anna, you are now unmuted.
4: Okay. um actually, my question was almost identical to Derry's. Um, I have a machine that I sort of was given about four and a half years ago. It's a very old machine. the um backspace totally doesn't work and so i was actually going to ask um almost the same question really how do i get it to alan for a very good overdue service um the only thing is alan can you just sort of go over those packing instructions my machine actually does come in its own special case that kind it, of fixes it so right, it can't so, move
2: it, so is this one of the it's like a wooden case
4: yeah, it's like a
2: wooden um, yeah. case that protects it all. It's they have been sent to me. Just as I was just saying that a Perkins in its wooden case is too heavy for the free post service. So um, depends on how the post office your post office works. I know mine doesn't allow me to actually take them in because you want to put them on the scales and weigh the packages and then it says it's not eligible for the articles for the blind free post service so put it in a good strong cardboard box making sure that the paper ruler knobs are well padded but if you get in touch with me privately we can send you documents what gives you all tips and, and techniques for packing
3: hope that helped Anna. Um, we're going to come to Jeanette now and after Jeanette, we're going to come to James. Uh, Jeanette, you are good to go.
5: Yes, thank you for a very informative talk. When I was learning to use Perkins Brailer, I was always told that when I'm not using it to put the carriage at the far right hand side because there wasn't as much tension on the spring. Is that the case? Or doesn't it really matter?
2: I Personally, I don't think it matters vastly. If you were putting it to storage for years on end, yes, yes. yes. But if you're using it weekly, so to speak, it's, it's not going to make a great deal of difference. And if you talk to somebody who repairs clocks, they do like an amount of tension still on a clock spring to actually keep it active. So short term stroke occasional usage it's not a problem long-term storage yeah put it to the right hand and taking as much tension off as you can
3: definitely good to bear that in mind thank you jeanette going to come to james now and then we're going to go to joseph and uh, we'll try and take some questions from the chat as well uh, towards the end uh, james you are now unmuted
1: Hi, Alan. I'm actually coming back on Jeanette's question there, because in your main talk, you did actually say put the carriage to the left, Um, so it is to the right to remove the tension on the spring for long-term storage. Um, My other comment that I was going to say is the other problem I've seen several times is lines running together, and that's because the clamps aren't actually working properly, and that's another service issue, isn't it,
2: Alan? It is. And it's very rare. I've actually seen that uh, where the paper is actually sliding around uh, because the, the, the clamp springs are so sprained, it's, it's not clamping the paper. Uh, very rare. Um, I've seen that. You must be getting the same machine back a few times. And thank you for saying um, or correcting me you know, for my left and my right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> easy, easy mistake to make. Thank you for some great comments there. James is going to come to Joseph next. And after Joseph, we're going to come to Koal. Uh, Joseph, you are good to go.
4: Um, I just want to say I live outside of Boston and uh, went to Perkins. I've had a, bur- a Brailer since about 1955 uh, when starting at Perkins. And I just wanted to make a comment, if I might, on the history of um of the Perkins Brailler uh, from the standpoint that uh, Dr. Farrell, who was the director of Perkins in 1931, uh, he was approached by a gentleman who was working on a construction crew uh, on one of the streets near Perkins and applied for a job in maintenance and uh, found that his talents enabled him to work on the development of the Brailler from 1931 to 41. He was ready to release it at that time. But of course, World War II came along, and it really took with production and other facilities uh, of complication after World War II to to release it in 1951. But he was uh, really quite a master about this, very thorough. And it was just amazing how his version of the Brailler got to be from being on that construction crew working outside the the gates of Perkins. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely, there you are. You you never
3: know what you're going to learn from these masterclasses. All right, we're going to come to Kowal next. And after Kawhal, we're going to come to Jackie. Uh, Kawhal, you are now unmuted.
5: Oh, hello. Um, I have a question to ask. In 1976, I got my first brailler. and let's say I used it week in, week out and it lasted 12 years, no service. And let me finish. I then worked for a blind organisation and I used to have to transcribe things into Braille and occasions. I used to have to use a Perkins. Let's say after a week of use, the Perkins machines were not very good. So why would a Braille in made from let's see the early seventies have more life than the Perkins that's made, let's say five years ago?
2: Okay, um, I have to be careful on how I answer this one. If I'm sent, somebody says to me, "I've got a Perkins for servicing," and they say it's an old one, and I'll say, "The older, the better." I think materials, the mouldings, the castings were all new. Um, So things were very nice and snug. Um, The the materials seemed to be superior to mixed metals that are done now, perhaps from whether it's because it's recycled metals, but metals seem to be softer. Some of the mouldings might have um, expanded with use and, and things so yeah a, a mach- if somebody brought me a machine and said this one's 50 year old i'll say i'll be able to do that no problem somebody brought me one which is five years old it would be um harder to work on that they're sloppier machines
3: i think it's just a way of life isn't it yeah i guess i guess but interesting interesting to know definitely uh, i hope that uh, explains it uh, we're going to come to jackie now and after jackie we're going to come to mike uh, jackie you are now unmuted
5: thank you um a couple of things a really enjoyable talk um do you supply the covers for the brailers? i know you said you could use a, uh, a, a you know a, a tea towel or something and also Um, Do you sell reconditioned boilers?
2: Okay. Um, I I do have a number of um, dust covers, generally from ones where I've acquired them mainly. Um, I don't necessarily have new ones to sell because I'm not very often asked. If a request was put in for one, we could get one from Perkins, I don't recall exactly how much they are, but they're about eight or 10 pounds each, the covers. Um, So that can possibly be arranged. And I can't remember the second part of your question. Oh, reconditioned wand, yes. Yes, I I do sell uh, second owner Perkins, um, dependent on how many stresses in their life and things but i'd I'd like to work on a figure of around 150 pounds for a second hand machine
3: good information there i'm gonna come to mike now and after mike we're going to come to chris uh mike i'm just trying to unmute you and you're good to go
1: Hello, Alan. Good to see you again. and hear you. Long time no see. Uh, My Perkins is 1962. And unfortunately, the roller, the the plastic rubber roller, has perished and split. Um, It's now 60 years old. Do
2: you think it's about dead or is it worth a go? It's worth a go. Are you talking about the, the main big roller, which is probably... Three quarters of an inch thick. And, it's a and big
1: roller that's covered in rubber. Yeah. yep. yep. It's split. Um, Other, yes. Otherwise, I use it for, um, I don't use it for writing a lot these days, except labels and notes and that sort of stuff, you know.
2: But uh, it would be good to keep it going. Uh, yeah. I, I would hazard a guess that would probably cost about £90 to have repaired. Uh, a, a, the work on stripping them down, it's a full afternoon to strip it down and taking a roller out of a, a donor machine um, will probably do about £90 and well worth it, I think, in, in having an old machine working.
3: Good to know. Uh, we're going to come to Chris next. And then after Chris, we're going to come to uh, Claire. Chris, you are good to go.
6: Good evening. I um, um, may make a point that uh, a lot of the older Perkins, the cases uh, were coated with vitreous enamel, which, which uh, protected them. And um, I also remember, uh, they used to have a machine, I don't know whether you uh, have uh, come across them, the, uh, the lavender machines, they were out in the 60s. Very, very much like a Perkins, a little bit more compact, but made of plastic. They weren't as robust as the as, as, as the Perkins, but they were not bad machines. But um I teach Braille and I find that if I can get people using a Perkins, if they then go on to things like orbit readers and using the note-taker functions on there, um, because they've used a Perkins. Um they can get very, very easily into the note-taker um facilities on the orbit readers. Thank
2: you. Um the the Lavender Brailler, I would love a Lavender Brailler. I've got quite a, a museum collection of old braille machines. But I've been working on them today. Um all all sorts of different types and styles and things, and one thing I've been looking for to get hold of is a the brailler to oh. add to the collection. So if anybody does know where there's one going, get in touch.
3: The holy grail is it then. So uh, thanks for that, Chris. We're going to come to Claire next. And after Claire, we're going to come to Christina. Uh, Claire, you are now unmuted.
5: Oh, uh, I'm new to trailers and things. You mentioned a knob no knob on the back left of the machine. What's that for? And what do you do with it? A little knob
2: that's yeah that little null knob it only when you release it it'll only move um, a centimeter half an inch or so that is to actually determine where how far to the left your paper will actually go into the machine in case you are having problems if you're using punched hole paper if you're not using punched paper there's no need to worry about it if you're using it to put in a ring binder, you might want to adjust that slightly so that the paper detector doesn't fall into one of the punched holes and stop you rolling the paper all the way in.
3: Great tip there. I hope that helped, Claire. I'm going to come to Christina next. And after Christina, it's going to be Jeff. Uh, Christine, you are now unmuted.
5: Uh, my question was about the space bar. Mine is sticking. Is that, um, had to send it in for repair because when I move the carriage back and forth, then it will unstick.
2: Uh, I would have possibly say yes, um, because it's probably not just a space bar. Um, the actual dots are actually all linked to the space bar. So if we actually press dot one, it also presses the space bar. And same with dot two three and, and all the way through um so they're all linked for some reason so it might not actually be the space bar what's doing it it can be an excess of oil and gunge so having it service would be a good move
3: hope that helps christina we're going to come to jeff now and after jeff we're going to come to tina uh
2: jeff you are now right, unmuted. you've unmuted me thank you i'd like to make a couple of quick points really one is to claim some british pedigree for the perkins Brailer because david abrahams who worked outside watertown massachusetts was british and came from finchley secondly alan the lady who commented about she couldn't get the brailer out of the case of course those who are familiar with those will know that there are quite big rubber rollers in front of the perkins braillers so if they're slid both far left and far right the Perkins can be tilted backwards and taken out. So it can be removed from that wooden box. And thirdly, to endorse Alan's work, he's serviced two machines and done an excellent job. So thanks. Thanks, Jeff. I didn't actually pick up on the point which you made about not being able to get it out of the case. But <laughs> yeah, thank you for for, for highlighting that
3: thank you jeff we're going to come to tina next and after tina we're going to uh probably wrap this session up with a comment from terry uh tina you are good to go
5: yeah good evening um when when you're not actually using your brailler um what position do you store it in or keep it in do you um store it in the position that it's meant to be on the desk in its case or can you put it on its back or its, or whatever with the handle facing upwards or what?
2: Okay. Um, best to keep it in the position it's supposed to be with its rubber feet actually on the table uh, worktop. Because if it's on its back, there is chances of scratching and the, the table it's on mechanically it doesn't make a great deal of difference uh because if you're carrying it in its case it's sort of laid on its back um so it's just protecting your table i would say is is right and and keeping its feet firmly on the ground there is also a thought that's just come to me. If you have got old scraps of paper and things which have actually fallen into the bottom and tipping it on its back can actually dislodge those and make them actually interfere.
3: Hope that helped, mm-hmm. Tina. Um, we're going to come to Terry Ann. I know we said we'd wrap up after Terry Ann, but we're going to come to really quickly after Terry Jennifer, who I know has been struggling to raise her hand for, for quite a while. So we'll try and squeeze you in and then we'll hand over to Dave. Uh, Terry you are good to go.
5: Yes, hello. Um I have one of the actual shipping boxes with the styrofoam uh, uh, that the Perkins fits into and keeps it all nice and snug when packed. Um I don't know how easy those are to come by, but I just want to make people aware of the fact that they are there is such a thing and number two, um i my both of my Perkins are like from 1960-something, early 60s for sure. And one of them has the roller with the um, rubber, uh, rubber O-rings on it, and the other one has the metal uh, little n- rings that go all the way across, which are the ones I prefer. But are they replacing those sh- slowly but surely with the newer rings?
2: Yes, yes. It, it, it's now the, the 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 one which has eleven rubber rings on it, which are now predominantly in use.
3: Good to know. And last, but of course, by no means least, we have Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, you are now unmuted.
4: Hello there I'd just like to say this has been really informative. I of course have just done the Braille for beginners. I've been in touch with Alan because he's very kindly refurbished my Braille machine so I'm looking forward to starting the fingerprint course and using my my Brailler so Alan thank you very much indeed.
2: No no problem it's a pleasure doing them. Ah, oh,
3: they'll they'll think we planned that one, you know, now. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> but, like that. Uh, on that note, uh, some great questions, uh, but unfortunately it's now time to hand over to Dave to uh, give out some contact information and wrap the session up.
1: Absolutely. I know that there are lots and lots of questions. And of course, with a popular product like the Perkins Brailler that has been with us for uh, 70 years, and I dare say will probably be with us, Uh, For another 70, there are going to be a ton of questions. Uh, So, Alan. (laughs) That's me. Are you very happy to uh, share your contact details if anybody would like to follow up with you directly?
2: I I, I certainly am. Yes, by all means. Um, So uh, the email is Alan, all lowercase, A-L-A-N, at, the company's name is ICANN. dot u k website is the same www.ican.org.uk and if you're quick with the phone number zero seven nine six one four zero six seven
1: three nine thank you so much All uh, the thank best. you uh, really appreciate your time and your expertise uh, and uh, fascinating to hear from Jeff uh, Bastion about uh, David Abraham's connection with Finchley. I always thought it was Liverpool, but, uh, uh, but there you are. I've been Dave Williams. Thanks again to Alan and Ben Mustelrose Rose for your help with uh, a very busy evening tonight. And uh, take care, stay safe, and we'll speak soon. Bye for now.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Frailcast Extra. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to BrailleCast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice, or listening to BrailleCast, connecting the dots for Braillists everywhere on your smart speaker. For the latest information about future Brailleist events and how to join live, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter at brailleistsorg newsletter slash sign up. You can also visit our events page at brailleistsorg events. If you have comments on this recording or suggestions of topics or guests for future events, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at braylists.org. You can also find the Braylists on Twitter, at Braylists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. We welcome new listeners and live participants alike, so if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at the Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. The costs of producing this episode were defrayed by a grant from the Activate Fund of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information, visit wcmt.org.uk.